We launched a series last weekend just to bring you up to speed called Springtime. Our heart for springtime isn't just the season, but all year at Timberline, we're going to be talking about what's new and what God is putting in our hearts as leaders. Last weekend, we handed out this brochure, which basically puts the 14ers out there. We've identified some 14ers that we want to climb this year. And if you have not picked one of these up, then they have them at guest services. I would love for you to pray into this. We've kind of put it down into four words that we want you to be challenged this year with. And the first one is encounter. We are, we are having moments of encounter with God. Some space, some waiting, some prayer and fasting. The second word is community. We really want you to go deep with the few. We want your life to be enriched by others who believe in you. And that you have people that you believe in them. And then apprenticeship. I, I want to challenge you. To, to have to be walking close behind someone who is leading you into life and hard decisions. And also have someone behind you that you are leading them. You may be mentoring or coaching them. That's what we need to be about as a church. And lastly, mission. Uh, God is calling us to a lot of stuff. In a couple months, we're going to roll out a whole concept for you with some stuff about our mission and where we're going and why. I can't wait. Uh, for that to get here. So anyway, I'm just looking forward to all of this. But this whole this whole springtime thing, it's interesting that in Colorado, how many of you know that it can be really cold or it can be really warm? And usually it's it's our most violent season in terms of weather. Think about it. You know when it warms up on those days, like it's supposed to be like, I don't know, 65 or almost 70 this week? Uh, on some of those days. But if you have an app on your phone that has the weather, anybody look it up? When you see, especially in the spring, when you see those high temperatures, what usually do you, what else do you usually see? Another little symbol. Wind. That, that wind is blowing because that, that warm air is hitting the cold air and it just has to do something. There's a reaction. And, and some of our greatest storms, um, happen in the springtime. That's, that's what's happening today in the story that I want to tell you. It, it has to do with a conflict. It has to do with something that happened between Paul and Barnabas. And it's just a, it's just a crazy season in their life. And I, I sort of can't believe this happened, but the Bible just tells it like it is. And I like that about the Bible. How, how many of you have actually disagreed with somebody before in your life? How many of you are sitting next to them right now? And you disagreed with them today. You know, I still see lots of hands. I have the, I have the best perspective because my office has a window that looks out on the west parking lot. And so sometimes in between services, I'll go up there and I'll, I'll look out that window for a few minutes and I'll see many of you getting out of your car. And so I have a secret pictures that I'm going to be showing. Uh, no, I don't have any pictures, but I do have some really funny moments where I can see, you know, this is happening. <laughs> the kids, you know, and the kids are trying to run off, the, you know, <laughs> and then they get to the door. Hi, God bless you. <laughs> Our lives are filled with conflict. They're filled with disagreement. And I want to tell you something real serious. Today is not a self-help sermon. 
This isn't a little message that you can take a few notes and go, okay, this is how I can get this out of me. I, I, I promise you something. Some of the hurt and the pain that many of you have in your life, it takes the Spirit of God to bring healing to you. And I am praying for that today. I'm praying that some of you will not leave this place the same way you came in. That God, through His Spirit, is going to touch you to the core. And something's going to happen to be able to release you from this burden that you carry from broken relationship. From an ex-spouse, to children, to parents, to in-laws, to workers. There's a lot of pain in people's lives. And God can bring the beginning of healing to those things. And I want you to hope for that. We're going to pray for that in a little while. But I want you to ask God for this. You know, when we're wrong or when we're in conflict and when we're right, we always try to typically prove that we're right. We always try to do something that says, I'm right because... You know, I had a lady after the last service that came up to me and said, you know, my husband and I are arguing, and I know I'm right. I have to say to him, look, honey, if I agreed with you, then we would both be wrong. <laughs> Isn't it better that at least one of us is right? So I'm going to use that one. You know. <laughs> it's, it's okay if you disagree if there's a true answer. Like, for instance... Who was the president in America in 1932? <laughs> okay, I've already heard different names being thrown out. But here's the deal. We can decide, we can know who is right by looking it up. Because there is a right answer to that question, right? And I, I don't know who it was. Look it up and tell me. But I don't know. But I know I could figure that out. But sometimes it's just opinion. If, if I say that cars look better in black, and you say, no, they look better in red, I could say, well, it depends on the kind of car. They could say, no, it doesn't. I say, yes, it does. And we're not going anywhere with this. Why? Because you have an opinion, I have an opinion, and there's not a right or wrong. So sometimes it's difficult to find solutions when we have opinions. That's what's happening in this story. There's not an exact right answer. There's no fact that can back up Paul or Barnabas. They disagree on whether or not they should take John Mark on the next missionary journey. And Barnabas wants to take him, and Paul says, no. He left this last time, and I'm not doing that again. You have to understand in this story that, that Paul is, is a guy that's driven. Now, he's, he has a very low tolerance for people who don't, pay attention to the letter of the law. Barnabas is just what I would call like a friend to everybody. Like he, he values, he is totally loyal to relationships. And Paul is really loyal to the letter of the law. And so we have to take a look at that and figure out why did they disagree so much? Have you ever met someone that just disagreed about anything and everything? They just like to oppose whatever is said. Oh, it's such a nice day. No, it's hot. I love this snow. Now it's going to look ugly in a few days. You know, just this, they just have this attitude that opposes everything. Don't ever be that. 
But there are principles. There are principles that we need to hold to. Let me just jump in. On the back of your uh, uh, bulletin there, just follow along. Number one, let's check up on each other. Let's check up on each other. What's about to happen here is that if you were here last weekend, Acts chapters 13 and 14, Paul and Barnabas take a trip together. And they start preaching in cities. And people are getting saved. They're coming to faith. Wonderful things are happening. And now they've come back and they're wanting to go see the people who have come to faith. They don't have email or texting or phones. They, they have to physically go back to these cities. So that's what's happening. Acts 15, verse 36. Let me just read this one verse. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. I love that. Think about this. They care enough about their new family, people who have come to faith, to say, let's take another trip and let's just go and encourage. Let's strengthen. The takeaway for me on that is, do you have someone that's cheering you on? Do you have someone that believes in you? And do you have someone that you are cheering them on and you are believing in them and you're making a difference in their life? Every now and then I get kind of a random text from, from somebody that maybe I haven't connected with in a long, long time. And it just says, man, I was thinking of you today. Hope you're doing well. God bless you. Thanks for all you do. And it's like, that was sweet. That was nice. And it, it makes a difference in, in my day. And you kind of want to text them back. Well, I was thinking of you too. And then you go, no, I wasn't thinking of you. No, no I can't say that. But, okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you for thinking of me. This is what's happening in this new church as the gospel is being preached. People are staying connected. That's why we call this our living room. is because we're trying to be on a journey together. You're not going to know everybody at Timberline. That doesn't matter. But you can know the right people who you can bless them and they can bless you. And we can move and live thoughtful with going deep with a few. Number two in your outline is we are all wired differently. We, we all have different DNA. We all have different stuff that's going on in our minds, our bodies, our hearts. Our passions are different. Even our food preferences are different. And so we have to respect this. So Barnabas is not wired like Paul. Look at verse 37. Barnabas agreed in, in, in going with Paul. And he wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia. And had not continued with them in their work. Let me tell you what's going on here if you don't know. Many scholars say that John Mark, he's a young man, that he's just, he got homesick. And he didn't like all the conflict and the issues. And he just said, I need to go home. And he left them. Which put him in a bind because they needed him to help carry stuff. The traveling in those days was difficult. And it, it probably made Paul kind of frustrated. So... He's not going to come back. Other scholars say that he got physically ill and needed to leave. I don't know that I believe that. I don't think Paul would have held that over him if he was truly physically sick. But regardless of why he left, um, he might have just gotten tired of carrying the bags and said, I'm done with this. Who knows? Who knows? But Paul, because of how he's wired, you know, two different styles of leadership. Barnabas is like the Dick Foth of the New Testament. Everybody's wonderful 
We're going to love, we're going to care, we're going to give second chances, we're going to nurture, we're going to grow. And that's a powerful thing about Barnabas. It's ironic that it was even Barnabas who allowed Paul into the disciple group. Remember? When he got saved, people were afraid of him, didn't want him to join him. It was Barnabas who said, guys, he's a good guy, give him a chance. He's encouraging everybody. Paul, Paul, he has a different standard. Paul kind of has this idea that he's loyal to a standard of, of principle. And if you, don't, if you don't live to that principle, you're not going to get very far with Paul. Now, did they both equally love God? Go like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this isn't a God issue. So often we try to spiritualize our conflict, and sometimes it's a huge mistake. We sometimes just need to say, look, I disagree. Here's why. I want to hear your side. You need to hear my side. Let's try to make the best decision that we can possibly make. And that's what's about to happen. They loved God. They cared about the kingdom. No one is wrong. No one is right. I have my thoughts. I I like Barnabas' position in this. I think Barnabas is saying, hey, let John Mark have another chance. You know, I tend to be that way a little bit in my life. And I know I've I've needed second chances. But then I really respect Paul, who's a guy who says, man, this is the work of God. And there's a standard here, and there's an expectation here, and you've got to measure up to that to be on my team. So, you know, all this stuff is complicated when it's in your life. Number three, why do people part ways? Because that's, that's, that's what we're going to read. Verse 39, their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Fascinating that this will be, in the book of Acts, the last time we talk about Barnabas. Who wrote the book of Acts? Luke. Dr. Luke. Luke follows Paul and Silas and company from this chapter on. And Barnabas is no longer followed. So we don't have any recordings about what Barnabas went and did. We just know that he stuck to his guns and he took John Mark with him. And I personally believe he stayed strong in the faith and made a difference. Later on, Paul would compliment John Mark for his work in the ministry. So they worked it out. But this caused a separation. You know, they couldn't come up with a solution. And I started thinking about ways that we handle conflict. And I wrote a few things down, and they didn't all fit on your program there. So let me just give you like five or six really fast bullet points. If you want to jot them down, you can, but you don't have to. Here's how people handle conflict sometimes. Sometimes they just, quote, ignore it. Any of you grow up, if, if your parents are here, don't raise your hand, but you grow up in a home where they just ignored conflict, you know, pushed it under the car- carpet, uh, you never, tomorrow it's all good again, everybody's happy, if you're not happy, you act happy, it's just kind of a fake world, it's not a good thing. It leads to resentment, it leads to bitterness. When you let conflict just... Come into your heart. Let me tell you something. Doctors who are in this room will tell you. This adds up and it takes a physical toll on you. You will be stressed. Your heart pressure will go, blood pressure will go up. It's bad on your heart. You'll probably gain weight. You'll probably make bad decisions. And you might even die. Stress is real. And and you've got to find a way to get that conflict out of your life. So don't just ignore it. Second way people do this is they get others to back them up with their opinion. You know, it's so funny to me when... When someone will say, well, you know, five people agree with me on this. Really? Yeah, well, does that make it right? <laughs> no. It may, it may make five people wrong. I don't know. I, I always just, I don't do marriage counseling because, like, I, I get caught up in 
caring for the person. So like the wife will come in and tell me the story and I'm like, let's go get him. (laughs) That jerk. I can't believe he said that. I can't believe he did that. So then I meet with him and I'm like, she didn't tell me that. Let's go get her. Everybody wants everyone to side with them. When we have conflict, we have to understand that we, may, we have principles that we live by. You can't just get others to back you up. That doesn't make you right. Number three, some people always let the other person win. Like they're anti-conflict. And so it's just, oh, honey, I'm sorry. Okay, it's okay. Here, here's the remote back. Here, oh, let me get you some ice cream. Okay, I was wrong. When maybe they weren't wrong. You know, and I, I don't like that. I don't like that kind of feeling when people, listen, when you have an opinion, it's important for you to share it. Even if you disagree, it's important to say it. You know, my wife have, we have so much in common. I'm so thankful that I'm married to someone all these years that we have 99% of stuff in common. But we do have conflict sometimes. And one of the little things that, it's never been a major conflict, but I'm, I have a, a higher tolerance level for clutter than she does. And, and, and she's really great about it. So she's not like this perfectionist, blah, 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 in, in any way. But we have a counter. When you walk in from the garage, we have a counter in our kitchen where it's just easy to set your keys down right there. And then it's easy to put a paper there. You get the mail, and it's easy to set the mail right there. And it's easy to put my wallet there. And then I, I, my watch bugs, and I put my watch there. And then I've got this little pile of stuff. And <laughs> Bobby will say... Hey, honey, can I help you with some of this stuff that we need to put in its place? <laughs> I love it. I just love Because she's so nice about it. You know, when she's thinking, get that stuff off that counter. No, she's, she's not. So I know that, you know, there's, there's a timeline that that needs to be put away. I love her for that. But it's really important not to just say, okay, honey, whatever you want. We need to be real with our lives. I think this is a good one. The fourth one there is just seek to understand the other viewpoint. One of the things that, that we've worked hard at is saying, how, do, how does this make you feel and why do you have that viewpoint? And if I can really get inside of her life and, and look through her eyes, man, it opens up my thinking to be a better thinker about sol- solving the problem. And, and if she does that same thing for me or a friend or whoever. In church life, we have this all the time. What's the better decision to do this or that? The songs we play, the music, the idea, the, all the ministries. There, there's tons of ways that we can go. A fifth one is just make a reasonable compromise. You know, it's very important. If you're going to be in a long-term relationship with someone, and I don't even mean marriage, I mean work or co-workers, children, it's okay sometimes to not have to win. And sometimes Christians are the worst at this. Anybody watch the wonderful, peaceful debate last night? Anybody? A few of you? Wow. I just sat there kind of thinking, oh my goodness, this is crazy. Just the, the anger and the frustration and the lies and the accusations and, and all of that. I, I understand. I, and, and I don't want people to say false things about me. But it's very important that we know where to compromise and we move the right directions. The sixth thing, just in the quick bullet points here, are just they part ways. They parted ways. And they both still loved God. And it wasn't evil that they parted ways. Maybe even, looking back, it was a way for two groups to go build up the churches rather than one. 
But when you're in the heat of that, that's not always how it feels, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go kind of to the core of some pain because we really have to pray some people through some stuff. Some of you have an ex-spouse that is driving you crazy. And they leverage even their kids against you. Your kids against you. The games that are played. Some of you have co-workers that have lied about you or employers that have fired you for things you didn't do. Or they've asked you to do things you shouldn't do and you've taken the high road and you're suffering for it. And boy, this gets in your skin, doesn't it? And it's difficult to live one day without having these conversations in your mind of, what you would say and how you would say it and what you want to do to them. And all of a sudden the enemy has control of every minute of your life. We need you to be free of that. And it's only the Spirit of God that can help you to be free of that. Number four, the work of God moves on. I I really like this part of the story, even though I'm sad that there's a breakup here. I think it's powerful what happens. Look at, look at verse 40. Paul chooses Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled throughout Syria, Cilicia, strengthening the churches there. There, there was a change of plans. This, why is it sad to me? It's sad to me because Paul and Barnabas have been buddies for a long time. And they have, they've planted churches together, they've preached together, they've suffered together, and they're dear friends. And Barnabas has helped Paul so much. He basically gave him a start in the ministry. And now Paul is moving on. Barnabas is moving on. And that, to me, just seems sad. But then when I think of the bigger picture in the kingdom, God always wants us to be ready for change. You know, as as a church leader, I'm constantly praying, God, show me what the next step is. What are you asking of Timberline? Where do we need? Am I listening? Are we as a team, a pastoral team, a deacon team, are we listening to the voice of God? And are we passionate about the things that make God passionate? Okay, I'm going to say something here that some of you are going to recognize. Ready? Omaha! (laughs) Anybody know what that is? Yeah, it's a city. Um, But in Colorado, it's not a city, right? It's, It's a Peyton Manning alert signal. And there's lots of people have said what it is, but it's basically this. When he gets to the line of scrimmage and he sees a defense format... That isn't going to, this play they've called isn't going to work, which if you watch Peyton, it's most of the time. (laughs) Then he says, Omaha. Omaha is the word that means change is coming. Omaha is the word that means the next thing he says, he's going to audible a new play. And that's the play for now, in this moment, right now. And those players better know that, that play when he calls it because it happens within seconds. And I'll tell you, when I started thinking about this and I started thinking, God, God has a word that can pierce through our plans. I don't think it's Omaha. <laughs> but I want to be sensitive as a leader to, to be willing to say, God, again, I'm not the owner of any of this. When you call my name, when you say that word, when the Spirit, am I a sensitive enough to let the Spirit of God quicken me? Go that way. Notice that person. Feel the hurt in their life. 
There's spiritual discernment that happens. The Bible talks about this thing called being to walk in the what? Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Last week, the Holy Spirit said to them, Go here, go there. I'm, I'm pray, I'm really prayerful that we will be people who can be spirit led and that our church can hear the voice of God when a change of plans is needed. Will we respond quickly? Yes, we will. Because when God talks, we need to listen, we need to be ready, and we need to pay attention. You know, I always like to do kind of lessons learned. Or what are some takeaways from, from this story that we can apply to our lives right now in, in real form? So I have four or five things there, lessons learned. The first thing I hope you'll write down is just be respectful of others' opinion. Even though the Bible, the Greek, in the, in the, it says they had a sharp disagreement, which means they may have raised their voices, there's passion in both of them. No, I'm taking John Mark. I believe in this kid, and he's coming with us. Well, then you're not coming with me. I'm going to take Silas. I'm going over here. Okay, well, then that's how it is. But there's still respect. That's why Paul later on compliments Barnabas, compliments John Mark. There's still respect. Even when you don't like the choices someone else is making, at Timberline we've said over every peak that we have, be respectful of people's journey. Some of you, your story is just starting in your walk with God. We're so glad you're here with us. You know, you didn't even know where the book of Acts was. And and you're... You're looking in your Bible to see where is the book of Acts. Others of you have every verse highlighted with something. The pages are falling out of your Bible. Why? We're all in a different place. But I want to be respectful wherever we are in journey. We're going to respect people's journey. Let's care about that. The second thing that I want us to learn is that holding to your principle is not ungodly. You know, I've learned to really respect people enough that even if they disagree with something I really want to see happen, that doesn't mean that they're no longer my friend or that I'm mad at them or, you know, that you walk away pouting. You ever been around a powder? Nothing worse than that. You know, my dad, when we would get in trouble, one of the things my dad would always say, he he would discipline us however it was, and then he would say, now, this is over. It's over. It's done. We're moving on. Okay. Come here, son. It's over. You don't need to have that face. We're going to have a great family night. This is done. It's over. Let's see a smile. This is done. Okay. You know, there's this, there's this moment when you've got to say, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to carry that with me and go slam the door somewhere to make another point. That just gets worse. I'm going to let it be over. So sometimes I need to hold that perspective, even if not everyone agrees with me, if it's the right thing and the right call and it's being honest to yourself. I don't mean stubbornness. Number three, focus on God's kingdom, not your kingdom. I am amazed at how many Christians sort of take this, this side that they, they carry almost an angst with them that they're right about everything and it's because they're standing up for God. You know, there's some things that God doesn't really have a strong preference on. You know, what you choose to wear or the color of your top today or your socks today, I'm not sure God really cares And we have to be really careful not to impose our stuff onto other people who don't share some of those same convictions that you have. Obviously, if it's an absolute in Scripture, then that's a mandate. But we have a lot of preferences in our lives. And people make different decisions about where they go, what they do, how they live, who they hang out with. And we've got to give flexibility with that. So um, make sure you're focusing on the right kingdom. 
The last thing is just, and I say this with such heart for, don't grow bitter. I've, I've prayed all week for this moment because I think just knowing the scope of who's here today in all these services, there's, there's people sitting here with a lot of anger, with bitterness, with resentment. I, I don't know if I should use the word hate because that's such a volatile word. But I want you to be relieved of that today. I'm really praying to that end today. That some of you will just let the Spirit of God do what only He can do. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Would you just bow your head for a moment? Would you let the Spirit, even now, just poke around in your heart, ask some harder questions? What are the conversations in your mind that consume you? What are the getting even plans? What are the calculations of trying to make someone else suffer? Oh, you'd say, oh, I don't want them to suffer. Yeah, you kind of do. Well, they deserve to. Well, they might. I'm, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about what's happening to you. They might deserve a lot of things. They might deserve death. I don't know. But I'm talking about you and what's eating you and how the Holy Spirit has a plan and a future for you. And you're letting them win because that they have this over you. And it's controlling you. It's controlling your thoughts. It's controlling your behaviors, what you say, how you live, your joy. Enough of that. Holy Spirit of God, would you do surgery in this room right now? Would you begin to pull out that pain, that hurt? that power over this person. Would you deliver us true deliverance? Don't let the enemy have a place in my mind, in my heart, in my spirit. Let me move on. Father, I pray it for my brothers and sisters in these auditoriums today. For strength, for your grace, Because it is enough. It is enough. Trust Him right now. Would you let it go? Just visualize letting this go out of your heart and say, well, you don't understand. No, I don't. But I want you to be well. I want you to be healthy. You still have to face this person. You still have to face these issues. But don't let it destroy you. Face it with a peace and a confidence that God is with you. And you can trust Him right now. And if you're here separated from God completely... You don't have a relationship with the Lord. Would you just pray this with me? Lord, I need you and I recognize it today. I need forgiveness. And I ask you to cleanse my own heart and my mind. I believe you died on that cross for my sin and I give you my life today. And I trust you for my future. The future you have planned for me. We trust you, Lord, in all these things. Amen.